Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, we have a lot to share and we want to go through this as fast as we can so that we'll have enough time to pray. This is School of Prayer Part what? Part 4. Those of you who miss midweek service will not know that this is Part 4. Listen, don't miss any part of this teaching series. You know, this is supposed to work as a system. Every individual key working collectively as a system to rebuild your prayer life and your devotional life. So don't miss any teaching. So this is Part 4. And the most important emphasis this month is simply this. You can learn to pray. You can learn to pray. In 1 Corinthians 12, we are told about gifts of the Spirit. And guess what? Prayer is not one of them. If you're going to have a prayer life, you're going to have to build one. And even though the Spirit of God can aid you in the place of prayer... What is called the spirit of prayer only happens once in a while, however often that might be. But if you only pray when the spirit moves you to pray, you won't have a prayer life. You must also learn to understand that the spirit can move with you. That's partnership. You can learn to pray. And so we've been picking our lessons from Luke chapter 11, very important and very profound. Uh, I can teach on this for months, I tell you. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 11 says, It came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, that itself is a lesson. Have you seen people who want to talk to you or give you instructions when you're praying? It's not worthy that the Bible says when he had ceased, so they waited for him to finish. Oh my God, African parents need this sermon. If you only wait for us to finish before you ask us to wash plates. Anyway, when he had ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So we've been drawing lessons from this and we've drawn many lessons. The first lesson I taught you is perseverance in prayer. Because in Luke 11, that same text, Jesus said, keep on knocking and it shall be opened to you. Keep on asking and you shall receive. And that's a teaching and a training on perseverance, tenacity in spiritual devotion. It's such an important principle. I said, if you only pray when you feel like praying, you won't have a prayer life. That's so profound. You need to listen to that sermon again and again. But then there is purpose in prayer. And we shared that last week Sunday. Were you blessed by that? And Jesus teaches them to pray, your kingdom come. You see, when you grow in a place of prayer, God saves you from selfishness and pettiness. So you don't keep praying, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. That's the totality of some people's prayer. When you grow, you understand that prayer it's like putting your ears to the heartbeat of God and praying in the direction of his will. He said, pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you have to understand that your smaller needs are encapsulated in that big picture. Next, we talked about position in prayer. He said, our father. 
Many people think they are more effective in prayer when they master the calisthenics. It's not just about what you say or even how you say it. It's about who you are and who God is to you. He's our father and that changes everything. So there is a relationship connection here. There's a difference between an employee trying to get something from his office and a child trying to get something from his dad. We have access. And that's a very important thing to learn in prayer. And believe me when I say this, it's a total coincidence that all three points start from P. Perseverance, purpose, position. And to prove it to you, today I'm teaching on unity in prayer. Jokingly, seriously, but you see, this is so important. And if you learn this, it changes everything. So back to the story. They come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. And he says, pray this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, I know you have made this recitation since you were a child. But there is something you very likely have missed. Notice, most of those phrases are pluralized. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. He's teaching unity in prayer. So implicitly, God wants us to learn to pray together. Because we have a lot in common. See, our koinonia and our communion drives us to pray together because we have a lot in common. We have a common father. We have a common bread. We have common trespasses. And we have all been forgiven. Yay! Our salvation, our forgiveness is also common. And so in the place of prayer, we explore this. We demonstrate this. We flex on this. Ah, daddy, think about it. This is a family gathering. This is a family meeting. Siblings come together and say, Daddy, who is in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Jesus teaches that every believer's prayer life must have two types of prayer. You must have private prayer times and you must have public prayer times and the two are very important. If you only have public prayer times, you don't have private prayer times, you are wrong. And it might be indicative of something else. It might be indicative of hypocrisy. It is hypocrites that pray well when people are watching. And so Jesus begins to teach us in Matthew chapter 6. You know, that's the reorientation. He says, first and foremost, reckon that God sees the secret. And so no one needs to see you praying. It's not about the applause of men. In fact, if men clap for you, you have your reward. Don't expect any answer from me. You have your reward already. Go into the secret place, into your closet. Close the door knowing that God sees the secret. And he that sees the secret will reward you openly. Say loud, amen. amen. Now that's so powerful. So there is private prayer time. But the same Jesus now is teaching you something else equally important. He says, say, our Father, give us our daily bread. Imagine if you carried the consciousness in the place of prayer that God has many children. 
beside you and that you can walk with them to execute his counsel in the place of prayer. It's a totally different mindset. And many scriptures in the Bible that talk about prayer implicitly suggest that a lot of our praying should be done in community. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 is a very good example. The popular text, Colossians 3 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, you want the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. You want to have a robust, robust devotional life. And he's going to tell you how. He says, let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. This is what to do. Teaching and admonishing one another. So yes, you have a pastor who teaches you the word of God. But listen, if you want it to dwell in you richly, there has to be activity. There has to be ministry that you all share amongst one another. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So there has to be that. Most times we have just two sermons a week. You can't rely on that. What if when you, you meet each other, even if it's on the road or where, wherever, if you have some time, you can just share a word that will spark a fire in the heart of that hearer. What if you became conscious of the fact that the Lord could speak through you and on account of your faithfulness, someone's devotional life can thrive? It's a totally different ball game. Are you listening to me? So listen, what I am telling you is this. You have a ministry to the person by your side. And I appreciate the fact that you are so responsible and you have acknowledged the fact that your devotional life is shaky and you have this do-it-yourself approach. What can I do? It's noble to think, what can I do? But with this idea of unity in prayer, you must reckon that you can't do it alone. We have a responsibility to help you thrive in your devotional life. And he says, for the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, we must admonish one another. So we must have a perspective where I'm actively stirring up others and I'm actively receiving a stare from others. I am giving and I am receiving. I'm edifying and I'm being edified. That's the only way to have a vibrant local assembly. It must not rest on the shoulders of the pastor alone. The onus is on the congregation. Come on, are you with me? This is so important. It says teaching and admonishing one another. So when you gather together, it's nice that you play FIFA. It's nice that you talk about the latest TV shows and the state of the nation. But learn also to share what you learned in the word of God. Learn also to share what the Lord has been leading you to ponder on. Learn also as you do that, you are kindling a fire in the hearts of people. And listen, I want to advise you, don't only be the giver, learn to receive. Because God can use anybody I repeat, anybody to talk to you. Anybody. And I want to tell you from experience, it's the fabric of the New Testament church that there are some informations that the Lord will pass through the so-called least amongst us. 
I'm coming to that. It's something to learn. And so the Bible tells us in Acts 16 from verse 16, you know, when we tell this story, we focus on the part that we're most interested in, the miracle. Oh, you mean to tell me that there was a lady with the spirit of divination and Paul just said, come out of her and the spirit came out that very, oh, that's nice. Ah, that's power. But there is also something very important to notice. The Bible says it happened as Paul and Silas, Silas were going to pray. So Paul and Silas prayed regularly. Listen, and so this woman had this part of the road where she would stand and just start giving all those false prophecies to people. I'm saying false prophecies not because what she was saying was false, but because the spirit with which she was saying it was false. That's a teaching for another day. And so every day, Paul and Silas, they are going to pray. And then she would do what she's doing. But notice, they had a time of the day they would go together to pray. I'm sure Paul had his own private prayer time. And Silas had his own private prayer time. But they had a time that they would be found on that road, going to the same place to pray. That's how come that woman could meet them every day and disturb them so much. And so now that's a lesson. Wow, Paul and Silas were prayer partners. Who will be my prayer partner by you? <laughs> this is a very salient lesson. Because I want to tell you something you might never have heard. It might take someone to keep you on your toes. As disciplined as you think you are. You just might need someone. Come on, are you with me? So we've learned from Paul and Silas. What about Peter and John? Don't forget in Acts chapter 3. Listen, the Bible says they were going to the synagogue at the hour of prayer. They had an hour. They had named that hour, tags that hour. Everybody knew it. Night hour, we're praying. This is the hour of prayer. And listen, we're not just talking about your personal prayer altar. We're talking about corporate prayer time. So at that time, Peter and John, they will meet and they will go. Think about that. Hour of prayer. What a mindset. What a perspective. Imagine you had that also. And so when you're reading the story, you go straight to the part where Peter said to that guy who had been lame from his mother's womb, rise up and walk such as I have given I thee. And you are fascinated by that. You are even imagining it happens in your life. But hey, listen. Before you go there, think of what sustains that kind of manifestation of prayer. And maybe that's what you should be practicing first. Because if you do what they did, you will see what they saw. So how about I have an hour of prayer? Not just with myself, I have one for myself, but with someone else. This is such an important teaching on prayer that the church needs to learn. And let me tell you one secret. Many of the things you are struggling with in your prayer life will disappear once you learn to pray with people. Have you noticed when you pray with people, you tend to pray longer? Have you noticed? You just notice, ah, has it ever happened? You know, you felt your prayer life was dragging. Then you were praying with people and they say, brother, lead us in prayer. And you surprised yourself. Like how vibrant you were. Ah, so I'm a man of God like this. 
there is something about your capacity and your gifting you will not find in your private place. You have to be with people. Because the gifts are not for you, they are for others. Ah, so you will not have it, you will not know you have it until you are where you can share it and use it. That's how it works. That's how it works. It won't work in the private place. It's in public. It's for use. So when you pray with people, you tend to pray longer and you tend to be more focused. And this is a principle that works in every facet of life. If you want to build muscle, yeah, you can get some few things in your house and be doing workout routines. But you just discover some days you lack the motivation. But when you decide to start going to the gym and start seeing what your mates are doing, it can do... Do you understand what I'm saying? If you can survive the intimidation, it will help you. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's one woman in our gym, Mrs. Jane. Huh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, so when you just, there is something about us that is motivated by seeing, you know, what we want to see in our lives, in others. It motivates us. It's a secret. We use it in every aspect of our lives except spirituality. In school, after you finish reading, you have reading groups. When you're preparing for exams and you start asking each other questions, is that not what you do? So how come you don't have that in your spiritual life and then you are surprised you're struggling? All right? Even financially, you have saving groups. We say every month we'll drop this amount. It's only your work with God that you want to do alone. Then you're wondering, Pastor, I don't know why I'm struggling. Ah, <laughs> you're yet to understand. Our Father, give us our daily bread. So there is a collective principle in prayer. Unity in prayer is what I'm calling it today. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. This is the secret of corporate prayer times. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. You know what it says? It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. To provoke one unto love and to good works. Let us consider. So this is a part of our devotion. The person by your side can provoke you to good works. Has it ever happened? You came to church and you were feeling lackadaisical. You were feeling blue and you were praying like, um, you were pr praying blue prayers. Then you just saw Brother Timmy Lenny in one corner, and it did something to you. Has it happened to you before? I said, ah. <laughs> because of the way they are praying, you know, this is like, ah, what am I doing? It just helps you. And these things are seemingly psychological, but it's spiritual. When you see Jesus walking on water, you're going to want to walk on water too. In the realm of the spirit, you become your environment. Ah, oh, did you hear what I said? You become your environment. You become your environment. And so that's a cheap principle for you to follow. Anything I want to see in my life, I must maintain proximity to it. That's all. 
I must maintain proximity. So, I don't know, I'm struggling in my prayer life. I will go to where they are praying. Even if I'm too weak to pray, I'll sit down there. It's doing something. It's doing something. I'll just watch people pray. Because when Paul finds him, Saul finds himself in the company of prophets, what will happen to him? He will prophesy. That's what the, the environment makes of you. It sucks you into its reality. This is a secret. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So listen, when I'm coming to church, I'm not just coming to receive. I'm coming to provoke someone else. To help that brother. Help. You know, so, I mean, after we're finished praying, by the way, sister, uh, so and so is praying. You can tell something is wrong. Something is wrong. You know, I've told you several times. In Acts chapter 6, um, the apostle said, look among you men full of the spirit. Meaning you can observe the fullness of the Spirit in someone's life. If I give someone this mic now to pray, I can tell if they've not talked to God in seven days. It will show. Ah, ice water. <laughs> you know? Wow, wow. You know, so imagine we had that kind of accountability to one another. And we say, you know what? I'm going to help this brother. And I'm just going to say something or pray with him to encourage him or her. We should have that mindset. Let us consider. So I'm always looking for opportunities to provoke the brethren. It's a mindset to have. And it's not the duty of the pastor alone. It's not the duty of the pastor alone. It's the duty of the congregation. And that's something you're going to miss if the devil cheats you from the benefit of having a local church, church, he's able to deceive you that you don't need one. And so when he talks about this, go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. This is something significant you're going to miss if you keep to yourself. That provocation will be gone. So you mean in your life, there is nobody challenging you to do better. Nobody. Nobody. Meanwhile, in every other aspect of your life, there are people you are watching constantly and they are driving you to want to do better in life. You are following funny accounts. Maybe accounts showing you people dropping bundles of money, spraying. I'm just saying, for example, for example. Oh. Now you're under pressure. You put yourself under pressure for all the foolish things, except what really counts. But spiritually, you are so cold, no motivation. You are motivating yourself in all the wrong things. I mean, I'm on Instagram. What do you expect? <laughs> Hallelujah. So just in case you don't understand, I want to itemize all my points and make them organized for you. Why corporate prayer or why unity in prayer? Number one, to provoke one another. To provoke one another. 
Number two, for accountability and security. I've talked about that, you know, briefly. Let me touch on that a little more. I will continue to itemize later. So the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I want you to take note of this. This is such a powerful text. Because many of you, when you're struggling in your prayer life, you're thinking of what you can do. And that's noble and nice. But it's not just what you can do. It is what we can do for you. Simon, Simon, son of Bajona, the devil seeks to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. So you have to understand the role of the brethren in helping you overcome the challenges in your devotional life. Someone else can do something about it. And the same thing Paul is telling the church at Galatia. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in any fault, Galatians 6.1, Ye which are spiritual, he says to do what? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Listen, if you ever attended any program, maybe a dinner or um, a memorial service, anything that had to do with candles. Even though every candle maybe is lit with a match, when one candle goes off, another it doesn't take a match, it takes another candle. So you can light your candle either with a match maybe by the spirit directly, or by a friend. And that's just how it works. Ye which are spiritual, restore. Restore. That's what the provocation is about. Restore. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was meditating on this sermon, how we got here as a local assembly. Seven branches in nine years. Do you know what that means? Listen, I'm about to look for small trouble. And you know, we didn't start our branches like franchise. You know, there are some people that start branch like franchise. Hey, you have a friend in UK. Say, guy, you did UK, Abby. You fear for us, you know. Respectfully, everybody pastoring a church, I, I, in the, to the glory of God, I raised in the Lord. So I'm thinking of how I first met Pastor Michael. He had come out to rededicate his life to Christ years ago, and I was in charge of his follow-up. So I went to his room, and that's where the mentorship started. And I think of Pastor Mayowa, you know, taught him many of the things he knows by the grace of God. I think of Pastor K, who by the time he met me was not even speaking in tongues at all. And why is that important? Because he was later saying, because I'd been mentoring Pastor Mayowa and the rest before him, how when he will come and hear us talking, and me, we used to talk normal at that time. And of course, I was still new to some of these things, so I used to give unnecessary information, just innocently, that, ah, yesterday, you know, as I was praying, an angel walked in, we said this, 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 this. And I didn't know that every day he'll be going back, ah, where angel go appear by you? You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. Every day he's like, what, what's going on? He, he, was, he was partly annoyed. You know, what is wrong with these people? You know, you know, I mean, what reminded me of this is we're supposed to go somewhere, I think, two months ago. And he and John Drew Dollar were in the living room waiting for me. So I went in. I was supposed to change and come out. And the Lord started talking to me. So I opened the note and I started writing and I was there for about two hours. <laughs> so he just knocked the door and said, Pastor, what's happening? He saw me with my notes. I said, sorry, the Lord is talking to me. He said, I've started again, sir. <laughs> you know, but of course, you know, now it's a lot more mature. So I think 
Those times we'll be talking, we'll pray in the spirit and all of that. He went home to lock the door one day. Ah, this thing. And you know, that's how we start. And now, now I hear of the things God is doing through him in Ibadan. The, the instant miracles that happened last week alone. So what does that say to you? That this man sits or sat where you sit now. As disciples in this ministry. That someone who wasn't even speaking in tongues just years ago. Now tells a deaf ear open and it opens. What, what, is that, what does that say to you? So it should provoke something in you. And many of these things is just by association. And now when I reflect back, I can see how these things provoked them just by association. I remember one time I'd gone to pray with Pastor Mike. It was, it was just Mike then. And we're coming back. As I was climbing up the stairs, a lady said hello. So I stretched out my hand to give her a handshake. As she shook me, she fell on the floor, just in public there. And demons left her and all of that. Now he's watching that. Some things just by proximity. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Your life begins to change. Your life begins to change. And I want to tell you one thing for sure. The church will continue to live below potential if we don't learn this. If we don't unleash our members to do the things that we do, we will keep feeling big, oh, like you have one great man of God and he's praying and all the sick are being healed. But the church is not growing. Numbers and growth are two different things. Growth is reckoned in the membership. If the members are not doing it, something is wrong. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, and not just doing, there must be a system, a theology, a training, a curriculum. It must be systematic. It must be transferable. So you really know the strength of a ministry after a set man has gone. That's the true succession. Do you know what it means? A ministry of nine years to have seven branches, seven hot branches. The pastors are preaching the way I'm preaching. And you are seeing miracles there. Now that's growth. And I say that to the glory of God. And I'm saying this to provoke you, to help you see. Let me tell you this. We are... Mostly, many churches respectfully acting as if we're still in the old covenant. As if it is only Moses that hears God. And only Moses can prophesy. Don't you understand? Now the spirit is on all of us. And we have to learn to give that spirit expression. Otherwise, there will not be growth. Let me tell you this. And this leads me. How many points have I given you? All right. So... The third one is this, more effective growth. With unity in prayer, there'll be more effective growth. Listen to this. One of the things that drew me and this beautiful woman together, my wife. Uh, wait now, I did not hear your voice since I started preaching now, you see who, calm down. Anyways, in school, she came to me one day and she said, I want you to teach me how to hear God's voice. And why is that important? Because years later, one of the most important leadings of the spirit for this ministry came through her. My wife was the first person that God spoke to about Abuja Church. I remember 
one of the few times in our marriage that I ever swept. I was sweeping that morning. Uh, wait now. <laughs> I, was, I was sweeping that morning, you know, and then she was in the living room. And then she just said, has God told you about Abuja? Church in Abuja said no. She said, pray about it. Now, this is, this is what makes it beautiful. My student. Now, God tells her first. And that's the, one of the most important moves this ministry has ever made. God told her first. Are you understanding this? So, what kind of assembly will, are we going to be when as we minister to the Lord and fast, the Holy Ghost says... You know, through someone in the corner. Read Second Chronicles 20. You know, there were many important people. The person that happened to prophesy that this is what the Lord was saying. It was just one brother in the corner. And if we are seeing signs like that in the old covenant, how come we're not seeing that in the new? You must learn who God has made you, who God has destined for you to be. Are you listening to me? And if we don't function the way we ought to function, then there will be troubles. Let me tell you a zebra story. I learned it from a man named Jordan Peterson. I like to study wide. So he talked about this biological experiment. So biologists wanted to learn more about zebras. And so to learn more about zebras, they wanted to study individual zebras. So they got one zebra, and then they put a pink patch on the zebra, so that even though the zebra was in the midst of his herd, they could still spot the zebra and carry out analysis. But they discovered something. Each time they separated the zebra, put a pink patch on it, restored it to the head, it did not last long. A lion would kill it. So that's when they realized that as ferocious and terrific as the lions are in hunting, they can only focus on one prey at a time. And that's what makes it difficult for them to hunt zebras. Because zebras are unlike any other animal that has the camouflage with its environment. The zebra's camouflage is with the other head. Are you getting this? So, because all of them have stripes, when the zebra is moving in company, you lose, which one was I looking at? Which one was I looking at? And the lion can only focus on one at the same time. And so, keeps having to start again. Keeps, you know. So, by the time you just make it unique, you're already learning something. By the time you make it unique, you make it an easy prey. And so, the simple lesson from that analysis is this. He said, keep your stripes on. So as a church also, we must hold there the things that we have in common. The koinonia, our father, our daily bread, all those things are important. It's our security. Our security. And like I said, we will not grow until everyone, you know what the Bible says? It says the whole body, talking about the body of Christ, is fitly framed together and grows by what every joint supplies. Any church that doesn't have many supplying joints is not growing, no matter how effective the lead pastor is. 
So there is a kind of effectiveness and explosion that we will see when you come here reckoning that you have the Spirit of God and you can contribute. Because guess what? You know what the Bible says? It says, one will chase how many? And two will put how many to flight? So listen, we are ten, how many times better? Ten times better when we are two. <laughs> when we, I know you have the gifts of the Spirit. You pray in consonant tongues, not vowels. Crow, 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 cra, you know. But guess what? Or TikTok prayers, TikTok, you know. But the, the moment someone joins you in the room, the potentialities increase. That's just the nature of the body of Christ. That's God's design. Our Father. He says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name. What did he say? There I am in the midst. Now in that midst, you can execute judgments. You can come together and say enough is enough. My biological mom was in the first service and I shared a testimony in her presence. You know, one day, she just woke up and she had this excruciating pain, you know, in her elbow. So, ah, well, I have pains. She just tied it, you know, with a bandage. And then the next day, another excruciating pain on the left elbow. And so she tied it with the bandage. Now, two bandages. And then not too long after, another excruciating pain on the knee, left right knee. Another excruciating pain on the right, left knee. And until she started tying all of, all of her body. And you know, we kept sermonizing, don't worry ma, you'll be fine. By his stripes, we, you are healed. You know all those things we just say in passing. Until she was on the bed, screaming and crying. Every joint in her body was aching. She had gone to the hospital, she had been diagnosed. This is arthritis. So I was in the living room that night, I'll never forget. And my dad calls me, calls everyone to the room. And we're in the room, my mom is lying on the bed crying, and he points, I'll never forget the stare and the annoyance in his eye. He points at the bed and he said, this woman must be healed now. Are you listening to me? This woman must be healed now, today. And he said, everybody start praying. And we started praying and we prayed. And we prayed, and we prayed. As we started to pray, it got to a point, you know, the woman who had been crying on the bed stood up, joined sincerely in my mind. I wasn't a serious Christian. I was just like, she's trying to encourage us. That, ah, these people are trying. <laughs> I'm serious. My, my elder brother is here. I don't know if you were there that day. From that night till now, that was more than 10 years ago, no more atrocities. No more. Listen. You have to understand, my mom is a believer. She must have spoken the word. My dad is a fervent prayer warrior. Doctrine, eh, but prayer, you know. You know. <laughs> I do talk calm as it is. Eh. So focus, focus. You know, you know. <laughs> All right. You know, and he had prayed. But there was something about all of us. When the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, it says, as they prayed, the place where they were shook. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, 
that's the kind of power we have together. And it starts first and foremost by reckoning the grace on the person by your side, not just on your pastor. You have to understand the workings of the spirit that if the spirit comes on a donkey and the donkey starts talking, better listen. Because it's the spirit. And if you don't listen, you'll be in trouble. Because the word of the Lord is in the tongue of that donkey. It doesn't matter. Maybe the person normally is not intelligent. Though. But if he is full of the spirit and he tells you, better listen. And God can walk with anybody in his church. We must have that training to discern when the Lord is walking through people. We must have that training. So you must now have to learn to discern the body of Christ properly. And we must learn to discern when the atmosphere is changing. You might be playing one moment and someone just by the Spirit just says, I sense this. Eh? Pay attention. Come on, are you listening to me? So, that person by your side has the Spirit of Christ. And you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. See, this is a consciousness. I'm building a new way, consciousness right now. So in 1 Corinthians 20, 14, 26, 14, 26, it says, how is it then, brethren? When you come together, he's telling us the mentality we should have when we gather. When you come together, he says, the pastor has a psalm. Is that what he said? How many people have a psalm? Everyone. So listen. In every gathering, you have something to contribute spiritually. Sometimes you see me, I'm preaching here, and I have a lot of word of knowledge, but time, there's time constraints. You know, so you see me doing this subconsciously and all of that. I see that when I watch the replay. But everything I could have said, as the person is going out, you can say, brother, you know, the Spirit of the Lord said this to me, and give the person a precise word. You've got it in you. He says, when we come together, if you didn't know, I'm telling you now, everyone has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. It's corporate prayer, corporate participation in the things of the Spirit. You have to learn it. And if we don't learn it, the impact of the church will be small. Because guess what? As powerful as Jesus is, he said, pray. It is beneficial to you that I go. So that the comforter will come. Because I have the Holy Spirit and I can walk miracles. But when I go, he will come on everybody. And so the impact will spread and increase. So now, we are still acting as if we don't have it. We all have it. And yes, I'm your trainer. But you have it too. So you have to grow that consciousness. Let God use you for someone around. Are you with me? He says, once upon a time, we knew every man according to the flesh. He said, not anymore. Henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. That person by your side is a man and a woman of God. Man or woman, sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have to be very specific these days. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you hear what I said? So if you learn to give it expression, you'll be amazed. But it will only happen in an environment of love, an environment of trust. You are not trying to prove any point to each other. You're not trying to superimpose. You're not trying to form your more spiritual. You are trying to meet needs. 
You're trying to demonstrate the love of Christ just to be there for someone. The, the Bible says to prefer one another. So if someone knows it better, I love the person. All right? So when someone wants to give a word, let other people keep quiet. Allow the person finish. Imagine if we learn to give each other those roles in the church. What God will say through someone. It's very important. It says, when we come together, everyone has a psalm, has a tongue. You see, the reason why this atmosphere is stirred now is because what I'm saying is true. And you have a witness in your spirit that what I'm saying is your destiny. And so this is an awakening for you. As you participate in the things of the spirit, you grow. And the church grows. And we experience more revival. More than ever before. So start discerning the person by your side. When brethren come to your house, don't waste that chance. Did you hear what I said? Don't just talk about foolish things. Use it as an opportunity. Hey, you know what? Can we just pray about this? Can you just... You need to start trusting your friendships in church. That Kadnezer said, all wise men, this is the counsel. Let every all of them be judged. They say, ah, why are you in a hurry? Give me a few days. Then you go back to your prayer company. Say, I want us to pray about this. Then the things that he dreamt about in his living room, you will see it in your prayer place like this. Go and tell him word for word. All those days have passed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready for this? So he wants us to learn to pray together. Ah, Father. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, Amen. Hallowed be. Stand up, please. Our Daddy. Who art in heaven? You know, you're not just singing, my daddy. You're singing, ah. So you're singing it conscious of the fact that you belong in a family. Amen. Please pick your Bibles in your hand. We read one more text and then we pray. Second Chronicles chapter 5 verse 13. Second Chronicles chapter 5. We'll read verse 13 and 14. Thank you, Jesus. I can give you many examples of what I'm saying. Many. The couple in Abuja had been trusting, you know, for a child. They were waiting for a while, then they were, they were ready. And had taken in and did not know as, as they were praying in church, someone came to her and said, Ma, you're with child, you're going to give birth to, you know. <laughs> That's the kind of church that God is building in us. So the Bible tells us in 2 
Chronicles chapter 5 verse 13. This is how we can function as one unit. This is unity in prayer. It says, it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one. Pay attention to that. As one. To make one sound to be heard in the praising and thanking of the Lord. It says, when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music. And praised the Lord saying, for he is good. And his message endures forever. That the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of God. Next verse. It says, so that the priests could not stand to minister. By the reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. You have to understand, yes, we are the house of God individually. But we all come together as an habitation of God by the Spirit. So collectively, we are a temple. We are as much a temple collectively as we are individually. Are you getting what I'm saying? And we must be conscious of that. So we all as individual temples can contribute to the corporate temple and stuff the atmosphere with glory. And because you are here, not just because of the pastor and his anointing, because you are here, someone in this room can be healed. Are you listening to me? So right now, as we pray in the spirit, you're going to be ready to edify and be edified. You're going to be ready to bless someone and be blessed. And listen, this is the training I want you to have. As you are praying, pay attention because God can speak to you. Because you are cool with God like that. That's how you roll. Do you understand what I'm saying? It says when we come together, everyone has, you must receive something when you pray. So you must start training yourself. Okay, what did God tell you? Do you have a word? Imagine you're praying and you have that. Give each other the opportunity to prophesy. To give a word of exhortation. That's how you train yourself. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.